all the focus on insurance was like the six blind men and the elephant. Everybody had a little piece of it, and that's how they described it. But the big thing was that insurance is the customer. Insurance is all-encompassing. Welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted, the show dedicated to innovation in the insurance industry. Each episode, you'll get a dose of thought leadership from the industry's top business minds, influencers, innovators, and executive leaders. If you want to transform your corner of the industry and exchange innovative ideas, you need to subscribe to this podcast. Now here's your host, Abel Travis. Welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast, where we dedicate our discussion to insurance innovation. So once again, I want to jump right in. This is a really great discussion that uh, we have with the guests. But before that, I want to recognize the sponsor of our podcast, and that's RISE, the Rising Insurance Star Executives, or RISE for short. They're the insurance industry's fastest growing young professionals group with a mission to springboard rising talent and attract more young people to enter the industry by changing its image. Now, the group has gained significant momentum since being founded in 2017. RISE offers its members discounts and scholarships to conferences, resources like free CE webinars, internship connections, a job board, and host an annual award profiling 10 rising leaders. It's free to join RISE, so check them out at www.riseprofessionals.com. Now, I'm very excited. Excited to be speaking with Patrick Helahan. Now he's a consultant for H2M Architects, he does, which does claims, uh, damage review, virtual assessments, and a lot of other things. But Patrick is also known as the insurance elephant. So you know, I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you, Patrick. Today, welcome. No, thank you very much, Abel. Appreciate it. and and certainly Pat is a very, very usable name. You know, Patrick, I feel like I'm in trouble, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, uh, people, my, my, my old mother, whenever she would yell out, Abel, that, that's exactly when I knew mm-hmm. that I was getting in trouble that's myself. That's exactly but, right. Uh, but hey, you know, um, I, I, I want to, I, I always like to set these conversations up um, so people can get to know the, the person, you know, behind the voice, right? So, you know, if, if you don't mind, I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about yourself and your background, um, not only in insurance, but in what you're doing today. Um, and then, you know, it, it just, just to help folks get an understanding of your history and your expertise and where you're coming from. Sure. That'd be great. It's, I've, well, I hate to say over almost, well, it is four decades, Abel, believe it or not, but I've, I've always been in customer service uh, businesses, whether it's starting as a kid delivering papers, but then retail and big box retail and then owning retail shops being a contractor dealing with people's houses. Then I was in, gosh, uh, uh, the federal government disaster program, visiting people that have had terrible things going on. A couple of decades with uh, uh, a big insurance carrier dealing with thousands of claims and having staff that were dealing with them. But all of these, and now of course with H2M architects and engineers where uh, you know I was hired as a strategy guy and also a, you know, an insight consultant with the firm to help out their forensics engineering piece, the folks that deal with mold and asbestos, uh, cause and origin, et cetera, but also dealing with uh, insurance carriers and their adjusters, helping them, you know, work with their customers. So it's all, it's all customers, whether it's external or internal. And a year and a half with uh, H2M, when I, when I left my insurance job as a claim manager, I, I began to dig into what's happening in insurance. And when you're with a, a, a big carrier, particularly publicly traded, there's a little bit of an inhibition of 
interacting too much uh, with social media because of a variety of reasons, which we don't have to get into here. But once I got into it, Abel, and, and it was in SureTech, boy, it was right at the height of it, wasn't it? And seeing all of the great things that are happening uh, with technology and uh, process revision, uh, you know, using that word disruption, which I'm not that comfortable with because I think insurance has been evolving over 300 years. But I realized that uh, all the focus on insurance was what was like the six blind men and the elephant. Everybody had a little piece of it and that's how they described it. So maybe the, the programmer dealing with uh, developing a bot saw that's what insurance, insure tech is, or the person doing process or, or, or just all that myriad of things that are going on. But the, the big thing was that insurance is the customer insurance is that all encompassing thing. And that, that was the, the, the uh, advent of the insurance elephant. I, I just wrote a simple article saying, look, it's, it, it's all those things. It's not, it's not the trunk. It's not the, the leg. It's not the tail. It's all of it. That's insurance. And we, and we all need to be aware of it because the insurance elephant, boy, that customer's right there in the middle of it. And, and that's really the, how, how the insurance elephant got off the ground. It was, it was accidental based on the, that fable, but then it kind of got traction and uh, people started to identify with it. I like the theme. I could build it into five or six articles and, and now there's a pin and crying out loud, who knows what comes next? Because now, I was asked by somebody a couple of weeks ago, and Tony Kanyas, who I'm sure you know well, he said, what is the insurance elephant? I said, it's, it's a concept that we all are. We're all the insurance elephant because we all want to support each other. And, and as the, you know, as through social media or whatever other way, everybody's interacting and, and being supportive and, and commenting and discussing and, and influencing. And at the end of the day, who gets helped? The insurance customer gets helped. And now with a lot of uh, employment attrition in the insurance service world, who's going to be helped now is all the new staff coming in. So it's really incumbent upon all of us. And now that I'm shipping insurance elephant pins around the globe and interacting, the insurance elephant is everybody in insurance on the globe. And that, that's kind of a big theme and maybe it's a little bit pompous, but that's what the insurance elephant is. Boy, it's, a, it's all of us. Uh, it's something we can rally around. You, you know, Patrick, and, and I, I got to tell you, I, I love the concept behind the insurance elephant and, and also, uh, you know, how it came about, you know, conceptually in terms of how you pulled it together. And, and you're absolutely right. So uh, over the past couple of years, you know, I've had the opportunity to speak to hundreds of, of folks, um, you know, over 900 as, as my, my latest count, um, you know, that's looking to either transform uh, the insurance space as through being an insure tech or that's looking to take what they're learning and then apply it to the work that they're doing as a part of the transformation. But even when you look at what the insure techs are doing individually, as well as what individuals within incumbent carriers or service providers or uh, other organizations, vendors are, are doing in this space, they all truly see it from their perspective. So to the point that you mentioned, you know, just a few weeks ago, I, I had a chance to speak with an organization that was launching insurance um, through an application 
application and and their perspective was hey the only way to do this would be to have um, an automated bot that can help with the rating component um, and um, uh, have a, a customer quickly be able to get coverage through that application you know another was looking at it from the perspective of claims but to your point you know we're all really coming together to help the uh, the end uh, individual that we're looking to serve as a part of this industry and that's the customer so you know you and I were just talking about um, uh, right before we started talking about customer service and about the customer being the core so you know if you don't mind talk to me uh, a little bit about you know your perspective on uh, the customer being the core and and how insurtechs and carriers can continue to do the great work that they're doing in terms of serving the customer well I, I have a favorite hashtag it, it's uh, innovate from the customer backwards so uh, there's a lot of smart uh, developers around, and, and maybe they didn't start developing for insurance, but they're smart. They're, they're tech, they're, they're programmers or whatever. So they, they have a great idea, and, and it could be a really great idea, but at the end of the rainbow, if, they, if the customer has no desire to have that, it's, it's not going to, to grab anybody. But if, if a customer's uh, concern or pain point is, um, gosh, I can't, um, I, I don't know who to call on my claim. And it's, and you know, an insurance claim is, is a very stressful thing. Most folks have never had a claim and they don't know what comes next. So they need that comfort of when they have a question or maybe their partner or spouse has a question that there's someone that they know they can reach out to at a predictable time. So a simple innovation for a customer approach is, okay, make the contact information transparent and reliable so that if a customer needs to get a hold of somebody, they have options. Maybe they text, maybe they email, maybe they can call. So that innovation coming from what the customers need going forward to the carrier and develop an application that does it. And it's a simple application, but it's not sexy. Able is it? It's not a, you know, it doesn't create bells and whistles for somebody, but that's what the, the uh, insurance customer is unknowing, you know, and you take it. And, and what I mean by that is most customers, and I, I'm going to limit this to the U S and maybe Europe. Most customers have not had a claim. Most customers have not bought their insurance through an application. Most customers have been with the same company for more than five years. So it's a annual, the only impact or interaction with their carriers, they pay their bill. Now something happens and they don't really know what comes next. So for a customer service piece, which insurance is, once you sell it, becomes customer service. The customer service piece is analog until you can prove it different, where you can take that customer's outreach and make it into an efficient process that becomes transparent to the customer yet still serves their purpose. And that's my point, is develop from what the customer needs, ask them, watch them, listen to their survey questions. What is it that drives their confusion? Right, and that's really my perspective on on what we need to continue with insurance, and it's it goes way back. Adjust the customer first, right? I'm sure you've heard that through your years uh, being in the insurance business. Adjust the customer first. 
innovate from the customer's perspective. Yeah, you know, you and I, um, I think we're, we're, we're totally synced when it comes to innovation. You know, um, I always say to exactly what you said, you know, you start from the customer and then you begin to innovate to ensure that um, you are providing a service and a capability that the customer needs. You know, um, as, as I speak to a lot of folks in, the, in this industry that uh, that's looking to transform what's happening, uh, you know, there are some that are doing amazing things, right? And that's going to uh, be doing things that that's transformational enough that's going to um, modify or, or um, impact and influence the customer expectation. But but there are others that are looking to do things that may not have no real value for the customer. And I always call those folks, you know, a, a, a hammer that that's trying to find a nail. You know, they're, they're trying to find where they need <laughs> that's to correct. and and what they need to hit, you know, instead of trying to figure out, OK, well, no, this thing needs to be fixed based on what the customer needs and expectations are. Um, and, um, you know, that's that that's a little silly, you know, as I look at some of these organizations, you know, so I, I see that, you know, going forward in the future, some of them are going to be around, right? But then we're going to probably find a lot that aren't going to be here a year for, or a year or two from now. They might shut their doors, they might be acquired, or, or something else might play out. So what I'd like to, to mention is, if you look at a lot of the uh, technological innovation that's occurred to date, and I don't want to say, because insurance, again, has been innovating for decades, right? But right now, the, the buzz on insure tech, if you look at much of what's being done, it affects the expense part of what the carrier needs to measure, the expense ratio. And the big money and the big customer effect is severity, claims, and that loss ratio, right? So the, the focus has been on the technical back office things, yeah, distribution and underwriting, some also, right? Taking care of the agents. But the big piece, service in the insurance world remains a heavily analog, you know, handshake voice, facing the customer, you know, setting their mind at ease type of business. And and that's the big money. And, and we have yet to find that big way to have the uh, technological innovation that supplants the analog service that customers need. And I, I'm, I'm just evangelistic about keeping that out in front of people that particularly service recovery, there's no bot that's going to do a service recovery when someone's upset with their insurance claim. That's a voice to voice, handshake, face to face thing. All right. And, and that's the piece I think that we're not grabbing on to fully at this point. Yeah, I know. I, I, I absolutely uh, I absolutely agree with that. You know, I, I, I think that uh, there's huge opportunities, especially when it comes to your point, you know, in claims that makes roughly up about uh, the, the economics around claims is roughly about two thirds of uh, the economics in the insurance industry. And uh, there's not a lot of transformational technologies, to your point, that's going to replace uh, the the direct analog piece um, that to, to try to automate some functions. Now, I know there's some ability to add some efficiencies through automation, but it really is a person-to-person uh, -person business, especially as you're dealing with people um, in the worst parts of what they're engaging in uh, you know, as, as they have a potential injury or a major claim, a fire, or whatever it may be. You know, um, and, and that is... Uh, 
to me, a, a really important piece of why we need to innovate from the customer backwards, right? But, you know, there's there's also the, the Steve Jobs approach, right? And, and his approach is, you know, sometimes the customer may not know what they want, so you got to tell them. So do, do you believe that in some instances that approach is appropriate? Um, and, and if so, you know, uh, where do you see that being an appropriate approach for insurance? Well, and Steve Jobs is absolutely right. Customers don't know and let's focus on claim customers claim customers and let's set health insurance yeah let's stick with pnc for now most people have not had a claim so they they have a claim most do not even know what question to ask initially so you can you can create uh fnol uh speaking points that are automated right where it leads a customer Oh, we're sorry you had a claim. Uh, and picture auto. What happened? You know, what happened to the car? Is everybody okay? Just follow along, follow along. But once all those data, which are, you know, straightforward, like the car's damaged and such, once those are done, the customer still needs to know how to proceed. They don't know, all right, now I filled this all in. They don't know to raise their hand and say, oh, do I take this to a collision shop or will an adjuster come and visit me? It could even say on the, the computer screen. So I'm absolutely in agreement with uh, Stephen Jobs, but the insurance world needs to know what are the questions that typically customers don't know how to ask. You know, you can, you can through, uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, whatever, determine what you need to provide to the customer because they're going to they're gonna be sending these questions. In. This is my question. This is my question. This is my question. Or simply ask the adjusters on the phone. What's the most prominent question that people are asking? What's the predominant ones? And then you begin to understand how you can educate the customer in a generic way through a bot or through a you know, robotic method. So it, it's true. Customers don't know what to ask because they just don't know what to ask. It's just too strange of a circumstance. Uh, it's just that with health insurance, picture that you, you go to the doctor, you get the service, the back office there takes care of the health insurance bill. The customer doesn't have to worry about it, right? They know what comes next. In that business, they know what comes next. In the you know, property and casualty business, they don't know. So We've got to help them out. Absolutely, and um, and, and I want to I want to actually tell you about a um a, a situation that I had on a personal claim now, um you know uh and and I've been in the insurance industry myself for for fifteen or so years between underwriting and uh cat and product development and and innovation and and so on right um and um you know just about a, a year ago now you know thinking about it um I had a pipe burst in my basement. Um, and, and I was panicking a little bit. And me being in the insurance industry, I should have immediately known exactly where to go. But, um, you know, as, as soon as that happened, I, I scrambled a little bit. And the first people that I called were I called my insurance company. I said, hey, you know, there, there's water that's coming in the basement. Um, and it was a pipe that was outside of our house uh, that brings the water into the house that burp and it, uh, that, that burst. And, and I said, you know, uh, there's water that's coming into our basement. I need to know, like, OK, what do I do? How do we stop it? Um, and so on. And, and because of the situation that I was in, I wasn't thinking clearly. Right. So, you know, when, when I spoke to the insurance company, the first thing that they said was, hey, well, you know, this isn't going to be covered. And, and I wasn't looking to 
understand whether or not it was covered. I was just looking for help to stop and slow the damage. Right. Um, you know, finally, you know, an hour later, uh, someone else called me uh, from that same organization, which was a claims adjuster, um, and just told me, hey, did you call your water company? And that clicked for me automatically that the water that's coming in through the outside pipe should it, it's probably coming from the water company uh, or, or from from the water pipe that that's being provided by the water company. And, and and I could have thought about that. But because of the state that I was in trying to figure out how to stop it, that wasn't the first thing that came to my mind. So my expectation would have been during that first phone call that that would have been the help that I that I would have received. Um, and um, and, you know, uh, we could have stemmed some of the the water and gravel and sand that wound up flooding, you know, uh, a foot and a half of water into my basement. So to your point, you know, that's where the the customer assistance is, is pretty key now from from your perspective you know are there ways that you know either technology or, or what we're seeing play out in this space can even help uh, you know typical customer service representatives to, to help to inform customers as to what to do next to, to fill that void yeah take the scenario you were just on it, unless it was in the middle of the night if it was during a work day or whatever the, the customer service rep could have said, gosh, Mr. Travis, I'm awful sorry this is happening. I, I know you're concerned about the water coming in. The first thing we need to do is get the water turned off. Click, click, click on your, you know, oh, I see you live in the, the town of uh, Winston, New York or whatever. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm on their website. The, the phone number for their water department is XYZ. I suggest you give them a call or why don't we try this right now? Do you mind if I call them for you and I'll let you speak to them? How simple would that have been? We're not talking about coverage. We're talking about a service being provided to a customer in a real pickle. That's not difficult. Yeah, you're using some technology, but it's really that what's the expectation of the customer? The expectation is I've got this question. All right, let's take it to the next level. Not only can we answer the question, maybe we can reach out and get this thing done. And how difficult would that have been? What did they do? They rushed right to coverage. And that's unfortunate, but that's how that, that employee was trained to, to not step back. So there's the piece that is missing a little bit is, all right, you, you've got a lot of new staff. You've got a lot of call centers, training, training, training and listen to what that emotional clue is. And for Abel Travis, it was, holy cow, I've got water coming in. What do I do next? So I say there's a, I say there's a way to do it if, if we look away from the perspective of get this call done and move to the next, get this call done, move to the next. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that is, you know, some of how this plays out, you know, it, it really is, you know, focusing on uh, efficiencies within their own operations instead of, you know, uh, trying to uh, assist and, uh, and, and really, um, you know, mitigate that the, the, the claim from creating more damage. Um, like, like what I experienced now, by the way, the, I'm not going to say the name of the company, but it's one that I'm still with. And I, I do believe it's a great company, but with, with some of the things that that you mentioned, you know, there's always an opportunity to improve, um, and and you don't need technology and innovation to do that. It just really is, uh, you know, customer service and, and and training along those lines. I'll give you a scenario that that will focus a little bit of what the adjuster's uh, perspective is now, a little bit, and and it's unfortunate that adjusters can only be measured for their job in certain number of ways. You know, file reviews audits, how many claims they handle, you know, is there severity? 
But the other big one is, what's your customer survey results? So my scenario is I had a bumper uh, damage. Simple. I followed the virtual claim. I sent it all in. Uh, you know, it got fixed. But multiple, multiple phone calls from the adjuster, even to the point where I said, look, I've been, I'm an insurance guy. I really don't. He's a great guy. But his end result was what, Abel? He wanted, his final discussion was, if you get surveyed, I hope my service has been great and my survey result will reflect that. All this extra time dealing with somebody who's, who's been in the business, and I respect the fact that he knows what measure makes it tick, but is that, is that what we have moved to? Or is it, hey, I've taken care of this customer, and maybe there's not a quid pro quo, but I've taken care of them with service. And in the end, it's going to prove to be good. And, and that's, that's my feeling is train well, you know, encourage people to be able to take care of the customer. And, and you can't rest on that one or two measures alone for effectiveness. But, you know, in the industry, that's what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and um, you know, I, 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 I want to actually go back to, to something that you um, kicked off a little bit earlier. And and, you know, what, what you mentioned was we're, we're seeing um, some retirements that's taking place in this industry. And I think it's something to the tune of 400,000 that's expected to retire over the next two and a half or so years, um, which uh, then changes the, the makeup of the industry, um, even though this industry serves, uh, uh, you know, a significant amount of employees, uh, it's going to wind up changing the makeup of, of how this industry looks and the expectations, not only of the employees that are coming into insurance, but also, um, a, a, you know, a different alignment as to how we're serving um, the, the customers that may be of a similar makeup as well. You know, so uh, from your perspective, uh, perspective, Pat, I'm, I'm wondering, um, you know, as we see some of these, um, you know, newer entrants from an employee perspective come into the insurance space from an insure tech perspective, you know, grow new insurance transformation organizations. What do you think the, uh, the the key thing is that they should focus on in order to continue to, you know, make this industry one that's as great as it, it has always been and one that that's continuing to drive um, innovation and transformation? Well, if you think back to when you started, uh, did, when you showed up or when I showed up first day, there is no owner's manual to doing insurance, whether it's underwriting, sales, claims, whatever. There's no owner's manual. There's no all right, this scenario is happening. Let's turn to page three. It's something that is learned over time. You can learn policies. You can learn regulation. You can learn estimating. But what do we do when we hire new staff? We hire new staff. We give them a couple of months training. Then they come in. Then there's a spike of claims. We give them 50 claims. that They're not really that comfortable dealing with them because they're too new. Yeah, we do a little bit of training again. We get managers involved and such. But it's, it's a uh, survival of the fittest, or maybe the survival of the fastest. We need to remain, I don't say we because I'm not in insurance, but the, the industry needs to remain patient in its training and expectations of new staff and recognize that expertise in insurance comes with time, not just with the owner's manual that doesn't exist. So if there's a recognition that uh, there's going to be a, a bunch of new staff 
and that the industry really hasn't changed that much because you still have to get a claim report. You still have to touch the customer, do investigation. And if it's, you know, auto casualty, it's much deeper. A patient continuous training and a gradual uh, integration into claims handling so that you're not uh, causing burnout early on, which is a a big issue. I, I would imagine knowing the companies I touch with, they're probably... 25 to 30% turnover within a year, which is troubling because it costs money to train people. So my suggestion to anybody who might listen, if you are involved in uh, new acquisition and new staff, follow training, but have, and it can be integrated through the same way that AI sets up to investigate fraud, able. What's wrong with doing the same thing to peek over the shoulder of the work a new employee is doing. And you can get tendencies based on how they document a file or the speed they do it or the dollars to indicate what areas might be uh, worthwhile revisiting for additional training. Or if they're doing really well, it might prompt, oh, this person's doing very well. Let's, let's you know, raise the bar a little bit, challenge them a little bit and, and help them to grow. So I, I think we're missing that piece of, training and AI where you're, you're keeping track and number one, don't bury them with pending and two, keep track. Managers can't keep track of anything, but you can through, you know, watching the work they do and that can be automated. I'm not the expert at doing it, but if we can do it for fraud, we can do it for training. Absolutely. You know, um, and, and to me that uh, plays out in uh, the underwriting space and the risk control space. Uh, same thing to your point in, in the claim space as well. Now, you know, um, so so we, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, claims being an area that uh, there's a lot of opportunity, especially when you want to weed out potential fraud or, um, you know, automate some of the functions within the process. But as you look at that, area that two thirds of the economics being claimed, you know, there's so many pieces that play into this, you know, whether it's from the carrier perspective or whether it's external, you know, it, it could be a body shop that a carrier is partnering with in the event of an auto loss. Right. Um, it, but the the ecosystem is it's, it's just so wide and broad as to how many people or individuals or organizations are being touched by this claims function. You know, so how can we bring together, uh, you know, uh, a trans transformative way to change and potentially impact claims with so many different areas of the ecosystems that need to be influenced? Well, I can't touch on all of them, but I can touch on uh, one scenario. If you picture in today's claim environment, we take the most tenured and uh, most knowledgeable staff and we make them into file reviewers or damage evaluators, quality evaluators, call it what you will. So they're, they're doing things that I contend could be done in an automated way. All right, you can, you can have a computer look at a file and determine if an estimate's been sent out or not. So why not automate that internal file audit function and move these tenured experienced people into positions where they are facilitating training of new people or building relationships with the auto shops or whatever, where you're taking, because the intellectual capital is, is, is retiring, correct? Use that capital before it becomes unavailable to you. Take the, take the rote 
man, those file review functions that you know there's a ton of going on. Insurance companies look at everything. Not only do they look at it, then they create a process to look at what they're looking at. And then they compile the data and then they, they compare. That's all well and good. But as I used to tell finance students when I do resume reviews at the University of Buffalo, hey, you, you can calculate the present value of a revenue stream out into the future, but so can a computer do something that differentiates you. And, and that's what insurance companies could do on this training. Get their, their, their uh, tenured staff back into interaction with you know, the new staff coming in. Share that intellectual capital. Boy, that's the, the piece that we're... I, I hope that answers the question at least a little bit. Uh, move the innovation into the, the rote file review, the, the regulatory stuff. Stop measuring everything to the nth degree because the two-thirds of the money is how they're dealing with the customer. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with you on that. And, um, you know, I, and I, and I want to, you know, talk a little bit about, um, uh, you know, the, the, the technology piece that, we, that we're talking about and get your perspective on something. So I'm going to do, uh, you know, what uh, this is the first time on the podcast, by the way, but I, I want to do with you what, what I'm going to deem sort of a lightning round. I want to just, you know, mention a technology and, and then get your perspective on whether or not you think it's relevant or how it may be relevant. So, you know, starting with the first technology, you mentioned a little bit, a little bit about that, but artificial intelligence. Intelligence, you know, what's your thought about that? Artificial intelligence needs to be taken with a grain of salt because I, my contention is the biggest part of the money is spent in an analog way serving the customer. Let artificial intelligence deal with the nuts and bolts part of that, you know, the, the estimate compilation. You can do use artificial intelligence to generate an estimate if the prep work is proper. So I think there's a place for it. I just don't think we've, we've applied it to the two-thirds of the money yet. Uh, what about um, ro- robotic process automation, automating some of the rope processes within insurance companies? Yes, yeah, see, that one I think is a huge opportunity for insurance companies. Again, talking about that, that file review piece, uh, you know, a- everything's documented in an insurance file. Once you can get past dealing with the unstructured data, which can be done, get the data in a place where, you know, a robotic process can then confirm that everything's either there or it's not. And if it's not, toggle, as opposed to a manager looking through file after file saying, oh, is this there? Is that there? I think robotic process automation is a big opportunity. And then the last one that I want to ask you about is digitization or, or going digital, either through, um, uh, you know, uh, digital acquisition or just digital processes in general. You know, what are your thoughts about that and, and whether or not that's going to be a necessary relevancy for insurance carriers as well as their vendors? Well, we, we, can't, we can't avoid uh, digital transformation. It's, it's one of my favorite topics. I have a phrase I call digital transformation friction. And in the insurance world, there's friction in adopting or adapting to digitization because you've got such a silo culture in most, in most insurance is carried through big companies, right? They're small. There are smaller ones. But so if, if the company at the top of the pyramid comes with this, the greatest thing ever, and they want to roll it out and there's 10 field offices each one is run by somebody who's really smart and has been around, and each one of them is going to want to implement it a little bit differently. 
And then down the food chain in each one of those, someone's going to do it a little bit differently. And the digital transformation will be co-opted because in the claim and service world and, and underwriting or sales, whatever, everybody knows a better way, don't they? Just ask them. They'll tell you. So there is digitization we can't dodge. It's going to happen one way or the other. But can we get it, uh, the transformation done uniformly and promptly? That's the friction uh, because of mostly because of culture. Uh, it's not because of, of uh, knowledge. It's because it's that little bit of we haven't done it that way and I know better for mine. And the real piece, Abel, is insurance companies have instant measurements they want to hit. And an example I'll give you is when, when uh, uh, electronic payments rolled out, it wasn't pure, but everybody got measured on how effective are you in not using a paper check. And that became the primary measure to the point where it supplanted people's ability to really serve the customer well. That was the daily measure. How'd you do on payments? Oh, two out of six. What the heck? How could you do that? And um, and, and that's uh, so. By the way, so you mentioned the paper checks, and that's one of the banes in uh, on my side right right now. You know, even uh, uh, thorns on my side. Even knowing that um, it's not uh, something sort of electronic payments. It's not something that's uh, really new at this point in the insurance cycle. But there's a lot of carriers that still operate on the basis of having um, you know a, a paper. Uh, checks in, in terms of paying their policyholders and you know especially in the workers compensation space a, a lot of the injured workers are you know could, could potentially be either living paycheck to paycheck and you know the first missed or late payment could have a substantial impact to them right so I um, I'm a person that truly believes that paper payments is, uh, is is something that we have to as an industry decide to to stop doing so yeah it, it's it's it can be done Absolutely, because there are companies doing it now in a parametric way. If, if there's, a, say, an earthquake where they say, all right, all these customers have suffered, you know, had an earthquake. We don't know if they have damage. We're sending money out to them, and it's set up right from the start. It's a matter of motivation, uh, Abel. It, it can be done in workers' compensation, whatever. As long as the, those data are valid for where the money goes, it's, it's a business cultural uh, friction there as well. Because uh, if you tell someone who's got a workers' compensation case, look, we're we're doing all this stuff, we're going to get it resolved, we're going to send, we're going to do an electronic deposit to you, unless they just don't have a bank account or a, a debit account to, a, everybody knows that's what happens now. It, it and if you tell people that's what we're doing, do you understand that that they're not even going to blink? in this day and age absolutely because it's something that's uh, that's table stakes at, at this point in time you know exactly it's table stakes that's a great phrase say so, hey, patrick you know um just just going back to the insurance elephant so i know you said uh you know you were uh looking to you know get a maybe a, a, a couple of articles out of it but it, it's actually something that I, I think is it's it's fairly tremendous in terms of the meaning behind it you know what are your thoughts on the future for the insurance elephant are, are you going to uh sort of uh continue to uh, um, expand as a part of your thought leadership in this space, or you know, what, what's your expectation for that? Well, now that it, you know, it's it's become a brand, and uh, you know, Tony Kanyas had the same question. I said, you know, the insurance elephant doesn't have to be Pat Callahan. It's a concept that can be that can be embraced by whoever. And and I'm, you know, I've got a lot of folks that understand what it is, but I think that's the buildup is. Uh, Build it as a concept that people consciously or unconsciously get behind. 
All right, it's not a monetizing thing, but it's a concept of where are we going as an industry with insurance? Let's not forget the customer. All right, let's in, embrace all these other pieces that, that make the elephant up, but let's keep in mind that the elephant is this core. That's the, the customer service piece. It's the insurance business as whole. Well. And that's the direction I'm going. Is, is, that's one of the reasons these pins are going out. All right, uh, you know, may, whether it's Nigeria or Malaysia or uh, Pakistan, all the places that some of the pins have gone, it's going to be a concept. And the more we talk about it, the more people are going to continue to realize that the customer service is the core of it. And that's what the insurance elephant's concept is. It's not me. It's the concept of, of what do we need to remember to be effective to help folks with insurance. I really love the concept, you know, um, and, and hearing you speak about it more, um, you know, even more than, than what I've known through uh, what you've been doing on, on social and in other venues, you know, really makes me sort of really understand and see uh, the the foundation behind the concept that, that you've laid out for the insurance elephant, you know. So, hey, you know, Patrick, you know, with that said, you know, one of the questions that I always like to get perspectives on um, is, you know, if someone that's truly listening to myself and you speak here and, and they want to go back and take some of the things that we talked about, you know, um, starting with the customer and, um, you know, just, just transform the status quo in their organizations, you know, what advice could you give them? The advice I give them is what I do almost every time I see somebody speaking of something cool or new or they're trumpeting success is think, has this been looked at from the perspective of the customer or how has this been generated from what customers want? You have to challenge everything that sounds like a great new idea and, and you really have to look at it and say, huh, was the customer part of this? That, that's what I would counsel everybody. If it's in the company you work for or the industry in general, competitor, whatever, and I don't care what discipline you're in of insurance, is that something that is going to help a customer out? Hey, Patrick, you know, um, I uh, love the conversation today. I, I, you know, I think it was great. And, and, I, and I know there's a lot of folks out there that might want to know more or learn more about you and your thoughts in this space. So, you know, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Well, uh, you know, social media is always a good way. I, I take phone calls from anybody anytime if they wanted to call. And it's all in my LinkedIn uh, profile between uh, email, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, or phone, you know, people can get hold of me anytime. Absolutely. You know, and, and what I'll do is I will put your LinkedIn in the show notes so people can get that. Um, and then also for those that are listening, um, you know, Patrick's uh, Twitter handle, I think if I'm, if I'm correct, it's um, insurance E-L-E-P-H-1. So you guys can get at him on Twitter as well. So, hey, Patrick, you know, once again, um, I do want to say thank you. I truly appreciate it. Uh, you know, just a uh, final parting words from you as to what you're hoping to see in this space in the future. Well, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to continue to have the, uh, the dialogue, number one, work around the customer. But two, I, I would recommend to everybody, be aware of what's happening not only outside of your own part of the insurance or outside of your own company, but what's happening outside of the country in which you live. There's great things happening in uh, Southeast Asia, great things happening in uh, really energetic people in uh, Africa, India, uh, Europe has got wonderful things going on. Even the Australian market is uh, going well, uh, well on things. Be open to diverse things that are happening in insurance. It's going to help you out.
That's my parting word. And a lot of those things that you mentioned that's happening internationally um, is absolutely applicable to uh, what we can do domestically here in the U.S. So, hey, you know, uh, once again, thank you. I truly appreciate it. And I look forward to just continuing to following your thought leadership in this space. Likewise, Abel, you're you're a great uh, a great resource to the for the insurance world, uh, giving a, a forum for people to uh, discuss things. So I appreciate you inviting me on. I hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as I did with Pat Callahan. You know, um, I always like talking to people that are as passionate as I am about what's happening in this insurance industry. So if this was your first time listening to the podcast, stop and click that subscribe button on whatever platform you're using so you can hear discussions just like this every Thursday when new episodes are released. So I want to just say thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.